So oddly, the very first online business that I bought was a tattoo blog. Um, yeah. Do you have any tattoos? I, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a product a founder product match there. Not so much, but I learned a lot from it. Are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Kevin Peterson. He was number 13 at a staffing industry startup that grew from $7 million to $65 million during his tenure and went public in 1996. The business still operates today in 26 countries with $4 billion in market cap. Today, uh, he spent uh, 20 years consulting before launching Growth Stack Inc., a SaaS portfolio on a path to IPO in the next 30 months. Kevin, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. You bet. So just to be clear, is GrowthStackInc.com a SaaS company or you're buying SaaS companies under that label? We're buying SaaS companies under that label. So uh, GrowthStack is the whole co and we're, we're tucking in uh, B2B SaaS. All right. Talk to me about your playbook. Everybody wants to do this, but how do you find a deal? How do you price it? How do you convince the founder to sell? Let's start off maybe with your first deal. What's the name of the first company you bought? Oh, wow. Okay. So trip, trip down memory lane here. So um, seven years ago, I started buying online businesses. It was not specifically SaaS in the beginning. Uh, I was building micro portfolios for well-diversified investors that were you know, really unaware that there was even a secondary market for online businesses. So oddly, the very first online business that I bought was a tattoo blog. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have any tattoos? I, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a product, a founder product match there. Not so much, but I learned a lot from it. So my background is marketing. And, uh, and so to me, that's, you know, online businesses, you know, a lot of times what's missing are, you know, marketing fundamentals and, and traditional sales funds. So, um, so, you know, to test the waters, uh, I paid $900 for a SaaS blog. I mean, sorry, a tattoo blog. And, uh, and, and as we mentioned, I don't have any tattoos, but I felt like, you know, I, I need to understand content marketing if I'm going to go down this path. And, and again, like my background is marketing, but it, it was kind of a different beast and it was kind of new to me. And I wanted to see what would happen. So I bought this tattoo blog for $900. Um, I hired a developer to improve it. I paid about $300 in, in development costs. And uh, within 90 days... Where did you find a developer for $300? Bucks? Uh, it was somebody overseas. Um, and really all it needed, and this is, this is going to, there are, there are probably a lot of things I'm going to say today that are going to date me a little bit, but at the time, you know, seven, it was only seven years ago, but at the time, um, there were many online businesses that were not mobile friendly. You know, that sounds absurd today, but just seven years ago, that was pretty common. So I paid somebody 300 bucks to make it mobile friendly. I started writing the content myself. Um, and, you know, based on my marketing background, I understood that, Relevance is everything. So I started developing tattoo content around every holiday on the calendar. So there was a tattoo blog around Halloween, you know, like the best tattoos for Halloween and one for Christmas and one for, uh, you know, everything. 
There was, so uh, you fast, know, fast forward for me. Do you still have the business? Fast forward, yes. I don't. But that business that I spent, you know, I invested twelve hundred dollars into this business, and then within ninety days, it was producing seven hundred fifty dollars a month in profit. And so then I just, uh, I lost, I lost my my mind. Really, I started buying businesses like crazy. Business? What happened? Um, actually, so unfortunately, that business eventually was penalized by Google. I got the uh, the infamous Google letter saying or email saying. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to pay you anymore. Okay. <laughs> so I stopped. Your SaaS acquisition, your first SaaS company. Yes. So the first SaaS acquisition I bought was a company called Pickreel. Um, it's, uh, yeah, P-I, P as in Peter, I-C-R-E-E-L. And, uh, you know, it started out, the time that I bought it, it was, um, it was creating uh, those you know, like, quote unquote, annoying pop-ups. Um, we Kevin, evolved it to be- here you buy this? Oh, sorry. That was uh, uh, 2015. It was how, late 2015. How much did you pay for it? Uh, that was around a million dollars. This is our first seven-figure acquisition. Yeah. That's a big deal. How much revenue was it doing? Uh, at the time, it was about three, it was over 300,000. In ARR. In ARR, yeah. I want to say it was about 360, 370. You paid a 3X multiple. Yeah, we did. Where'd you get the money and from? It's not easy to come by. Is that just money? Private investors. Yeah. So that was the funny thing. So yeah, to take you down the, the, the history here. So, you know, I started building these micro portfolios for investors and, um, and people, you know, what people saw from my early experiences buying online businesses was that I was excited about it. And so there were a lot of people I know who were like, well, you know, like, I don't, I don't understand what you do. I don't know if I'll ever understand it, but um, uh, here's, you know, $50,000 or something, right? Will you place capital for me so that I can participate in this and your energy behind it and get some dividends off of it? And so, uh, so I started building portfolios to do just that. Well, when did you do that, Kevin? When did you raise your first outside capital? Uh, it was, uh, so it was in that kind of 2014, 2015 time period. And how much was the first tranche that you raised? Um, so, uh, there was, I ended up building four portfolios that ranged in size from, you know, initially they were micro investments. So it ranged in size from like, you know, half a million to a million and a half. So you had individual investors writing you checks to invest in your fund for half a million to a million. You kept them in their own portfolios and then use that capital to go buy companies under each of those four blocks. That's exactly right. Well, okay. And so if I, if I was the one that wrote you a check as an investor for a million bucks back in 2014, what were you selling me? What dividend, like what returns would I be getting on my million? Uh, so depending on the portfolio is between, so let's say 13% on the low end to 22-ish on the high end. Paid out like quarterly? Quarterly, yeah. Got it. So if I give you a million bucks, you're basically saying what I would get thirty six thousand dollars from you every three months. Uh, yeah, at the time I didn't have anyone participating at that level, but effectively, yeah, that's what we're paying out in the okay. days. Okay, so that's how you scale. So let this is interesting. You get Pickreel done. By the way, how would you convince that? How'd you find Pickreel? Where should people look for deal flow today? So that one I actually got through a broker. Which broker? Um, uh, FE International. Okay. And what happened? What happened? Who, by the way, they charge 15% fee on the sale. Did you have to pay that or did the founder have to pay that? 
uh, we, I, if I recall correctly, we split the fee. And, and if I recall correctly, their fees were lower at the time. Interesting. Okay. So what, keep going for the pick reel. What happened next? Yeah. So what happened was, so we had some really, we realized some very quick gains on pick reel. We had 46% uh, year on year growth first year. Um, and again, like, you know, what I'm seeing in the SaaS space is that uh, founders tend to be biz, uh, tech savvy, but not business savvy. And that's not a slight against any founders. It's just the way founders in this space are, right? So uh, SaaS founders are very good at identifying a need in the marketplace, um, building that out, taking a product to market, going through proof of concept and building a small but loyal customer base. And then, uh, and for the most part, I know that you've, you've had people on, on your show that are, are enormously successful in this space and would challenge this, but, um, but most of the SaaS founders that I meet with that are selling their businesses um, are, are really widget focused and they have no interest in building out like a sales team. Yep. Um, and, and they'll build some marketing funnels, but it's really not their thing. Right. So Kevin, and they don't you, want to. You, you using this play, but keep telling the story via pick reel. So how much revenue did you go pick reel to? Uh, I think the, uh, peak revenue was, uh, close to 600 ARR. Okay. And, and what'd you do with it? What year was that? And did you sell it? We did not sell it. And in hindsight, we should have. So you still just own full, it today? Full transparent. No, we just recently exited that position. Okay. And, and why, what, what did revenue decline to before you sold? Uh, it was back down to approximately where we bought it. It was right in that 300 to 350,000 ARR range. And when did you sell it? Just like literally this month? Within the last 90 days. Oh, wow. Okay. How did yeah, you sell just it? Close. Did, you, did you use a broker? No, at this point, um, so, you know, again, seven years is not a very long time, but in the SaaS world, it's, uh, it's enough time to build a very close, you know, to become part of a very close-knit community. Um, what I see is that, you know, SaaS, people in the SaaS space kind of know each other. Um, people find me pretty easily. Uh, I actually started a, a SaaS mastermind this year, so I'm pretty well networked. And so I get deal, I get deal flow from every source imaginable. And, um, and for me to exit a position, uh, it's not, it's actually not hard for me to find a buyer on my own. So what'd you end up selling for? Uh, it was, uh, we haven't actually disclosed this and I don't know if the, the buyer. Come on, breaking news, throw it out there. Come on. Yeah. All in it was, yeah. All in it was sub 500. Okay. So when you look back, yeah. At that whole deal, you buy it for three x a million. You you milk some profits. You grow to this hundred. Yeah. Did you make money on the deal? We did. I mean, ultimately, we did. Um, you know, again, in hindsight, it would have been better to sell it at the top of the hockey stick, uh, and we didn't. Um, but uh, but we you know we owned it long enough, and it produced enough cash flow long enough that it was it was certainly a profitable investment. Okay, so that now you guys understand exactly how Kevin operates. Now, Kevin, give us the macro story here. How many SaaS companies do you own today, and what's total revenue added up across all of them? Yeah, so today we are operating four brands, and uh, we're on track for about a million and a half ARR this year. Where are you at um, now, like monthly? Uh, we're uh, just north of one hundred thousand. Okay, MRR. Yeah, that's great. Is there one brand that makes the majority of that hundred grand, or is it pretty evenly distributed? Yeah, there is a brand that makes up uh, more than half, which is um, Longtail Pro. Longtail Pro is the biggest. What does that do? Yeah. 
Last year was about six hundred, maybe close to seven hundred thousand. Yeah, six hundred thousand. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so it's one of the longest uh, keyword research tools on the market. Ah. Um, it's been around for about ten years. Um, you know, competing with SEMrush and Hrefs and uh, Uber suggests. I'm naming my competitors on your podcast. That's okay. So <laughs> how do you? How do you? And so, 700k top line last year. What did you do yeah. in profits? Uh, it was around 200 and change. And what do you? Like, how, maybe. how do you reinvest profits? You take it personally as dividends and invest in real estate, or what do you do with it? Um, so we have, you know, we've got a pool of investors. So actually, let me let me share another critical piece of the story. So about two and a half years ago. Um, I had an epiphany that uh, the only place I felt comfortable placing investor capital is SaaS. And the reason for that is the recurring revenue component and the stickiness. Um, and to me, that equals runway. So uh, what I like about SaaS and what I like about SaaS for my investors is that if there are changes in the marketplace or changes in technology or changes in the competitive landscape, we have time to react to that. You know, it's not you know, we're not beholden to Google and Facebook and Amazon to, to, to pay us. So the risk of having our revenue dry up overnight is very, very low. And if there are changes uh, that, are, you know, that are effectively threats to the business or new competition in the marketplace, we have time to react to that. Um, so, and then, and really, you know, my, you know, I've got more than 20 years marketing experience and a lot of that was spent B2B marketing um, and so to me, B2B SaaS is just, it's the right fit for me. And I understand that space well enough to, to, you know, fairly represent my investors. Are you so today, do you have a team supporting you or is it just, just, I do uh, have a team. No, I've got about 40 resources in nine countries. 40 on the team. How many engineers? Uh, so probably 15. Okay. And how do you pay all of them with just a million of revenue? Um, so it just depends on the situation. Um, so, you know, obviously a lot of uh, overseas um, engineers are, are not high cost resources. How do you find and we use them as needed. any of these marketplaces? To find I, do have a C- I do have a CTO on staff. Oh, full time. Yeah. Is he recruiting directly out of like, you know, uh, universities in India? Or are you using something like, you know, SimForm or Coditas or something? No, he's uh, from India originally. He's been in the U.S. for about 14 years or 15 years now. Um, so uh, he's still, it's very easy for him to draw on resources as needed. And so how many full-time folks like him do you have? Uh, about a dozen. About a dozen. Okay, 12 people. This is great. Are you planning to raise more capital for your fund to go do more deals? Yeah, we're doing that right now. So we are actually... And this is this is part of the you know like the pick real story as an example. We are in the process of churning the portfolio. Uh, we um, are looking at market. Um, what I've heard over the past really the past six months, it feels like everyone's going up market at the same time. Um, so our investing thesis today is that uh, we locate, buy, operate, and grow B two B SaaS businesses that are producing between a million and a half and seven million uh, EBITDA at time of acquisition. Um, we trade on a multiple of EBITDA and uh, we, uh, we're looking in the four and a half to six and a half range. Would you take that for Longtail Pro? I did a quarter million last year. If I offered you 4X EBITDA, would you sell it for a million all cash up front today? Uh, it would be, we would be able to have a conversation. Let me just say Smart. it that way. Smart answer. <laughs> I almost got you. Could you guys see this thing? I almost had him. That was so perfect. Almost. 
All right, conversation. Fair enough. So that's the, what you're the door will be open. Yeah. The door yes. Open. Any specific yeah. need? Like DevOps tools or CRMs or something else? Yeah. So um, I love fintech. I'm not seeing a lot of fintech deals, but I love fintech. Um, what I really this is the way I describe this to uh, well to anyone who asks really uh, is uh, what attracts me to a SaaS business today is moat. So it has to be a defensible model. There has to be something about the model that makes it hard to replicate. So one of the challenges that we've seen, like using PickReel as an example, is anytime there's a new model, you know, a new SaaS model that's getting traction in the marketplace, instantly there are cheap knockoffs, right? There, there are people around the world where their dev costs are very low. They can take something to market very quickly and they can charge 10% of what you charge and get a you know small subset of the entry level market, um, and they're happy about it. So uh, today, what I really look for are SaaS businesses that are just it would be painful for either painful or costly for somebody to try to uh, replicate it. Kevin, this has been great. We're out of time. Feel rapid fire things real quick. If you're at about hundred thousand dollars a month today in revenue across your full portfolio, where were you exactly a year ago? Uh, it was a, actually it was about the same. Okay, so you're about flat year over year, and then yeah. um, have you besides sort of the fund structure? It, you said you're raising right now. If if I wanted to invest and give you a million dollars today, what returns are you pitching me? So what we're really looking to do there's really two benefit statements that I can share. One is that we are uh, operating in an opportunity zone, and we're using that legislation to pull SaaS into an opportunity zone and protect cap gains for our investors. The other is we are actively. Uh, pursuing valuation arbitrage. So we're looking to pay four to six X EBITDA uh, at time of acquisition, roll this up, take it public in either a direct listing or a SPAC and, uh, and give our investors a, a path for, uh, you know, that, that uh, Y factor on the public market. Yeah. yeah. How many customers do you have paying across all your four platforms? Uh, it's mm, probably 20,000. Okay, so this is a low ARPU sort of play. Twenty thousand playing five bucks a month sort of deal on average. Uh, more or less. I mean, we're we have pretty standard SaaS pricing where most of our customers are paying in the let's say seventy nine to you know two hundred ninety nine dollars a month range, and then we've got enterprise customers that pay you know a thousand or more per month. Well, if you have twenty thousand customers paying seventy nine dollars a month, you're doing way more than hundred grand a month in revenue. You're doing one point five million a month in revenue. Yeah, we do have one. That is that number is skewed by one of our assets where the average uh, ticket is eleven dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue divided by twenty thousand customers, the average customer is paying about five bucks a month, not eighty bucks a month, right? Yeah, but it just depends on the brand and 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 the service. There's there, we have thousands of customers that are paying like five dollars a month, and then we have we also have thousands of customers that are paying significantly more than that. So, and then yeah. yeah. Totally understand. Okay, great. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Oh my. Oh no. I should have been prepared for the book question and I'm not. Okay. There's so okay. many. We'll say none then. <laughs> Number two, is, okay, there let's founder, say none. is there a founder you're following or studying? Um, again, there are many, but uh, I, I really appreciate uh, Richard Branson and his story. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business besides any of your own? Oh man, why can't I use my own? On your own. Um, so uh, that's actually a loaded question too, just because I'm I'm um, pick one. I'm kind of 
I know I'm kind of burnt on the uh, the CRMs I have been using. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I like Drip. I like ConvertKit. Okay, there you go. Drip. Uh, number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Say that again. Sorry. Can you sleep? Hear you? How many hours each night? Oh, uh, I'm pretty good in the. I function really well in the six to seven range. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married kids. How many kids? Three kids. Ages, wow. uh, yeah, 27, 25, and 11. That's great. How old are you? I just turned 53 in February. Congrats. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Um, whew. It's, uh, you know, this is, I'm going to just repeat an adage that I'm sure a lot of people have heard. The hardest thing to do in business is for any business owner ever is to raise a million dollars. It's actually easier to raise 10 or 20 or 50. <laughs> and you don't know that when you're 20, it just, everything sounds big and scary and you just don't have a full appreciation for, um, for how capital, how the capital markets work. Right. There you have it. Growth Stack Inc. It's a mini private equity firm in the SaaS space. Their biggest brand is called Longtail Pro does about $700,000 a year in revenue profits, a quarter million looks to exit companies for sort of like six X plus EBITDA looks to buy them at two to four X EBITDA. There's arbitrage there. Uh, we'll see what happens next. He's raising his next fund to go take on new companies and hopes to maybe SPAC the whole organization, the whole, whole holding company soon. Kevin, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.